2: Seven and a half of the hour now. This is the weekend. Well, actually, this program here is during the week. You can find it anytime at AmericanFamilyFarmer.com. I'm Doug Steffen with the news, first of all, before we start talking about some research that's been done in the Feed America Project, which will be in the body of our interview conversation, our time today. And then I'm going to opine a little bit on a couple of things The children working on the dairy farm issue, something I want. I have some strong thoughts on that, so we'll get to that later on. Right now, though, uh, number one item in the news department this week uh, from the American Family Farmers, a focus on the state of Virginia, where both chambers of the General Assembly have passed a bill that would raise the state's minimum wage to $15 an hour over the next couple of years. The bill passed on party lines no Republicans voted for it. Uh, the impact on local farmers is what they cited as the reason for them not to pass this minimum wage bill. According to some of the uh, folks in the House, the law itself has good intentions behind it, for sure. But there and this is the reason I am bringing it up now is because a lot of other states have increased. Uh, a lot of farming states have increased increased minimum wage without thinking about what that does. To the farmers, to the farm realities, to the fact that farmers are not making much money anyway because Americans don't want to pay for quality food. And I'm not here. This is not this is the news portion, so I'm not judging. I'll save that for later on. But the fact is that so many of these uh, cities and states who are changing the rules for small farming operations are doing it at their own peril. This is Basically forcing big ag on America. That's what this stuff does. Um, 10% of the operations uh, is the expense is for labor. And so when you increase it like this, it increases. There isn't a 10% margin. You know, the government can say, well, it's only 10%. But I don't know any farmers who have a 10% margin in whatever they do, frankly, no matter what it is, whether you're growing beans, whether you're growing corn, whether you're growing produce, whether you're milking cows, I'm sure there's not 10 percent in in any dairy operations at all. So if you're using foreign workers or using American workers, uh, the whole business about minimum wage, these people come from other countries, the H2A workers that come from other co- countries are happy to get not that that this justifies it, but I think that we've that we've sort of mistaken. We elect the wrong people, people who don't have any experience in farming, for example. Uh, for the most part, they folks these people that have good intentions, increasing minimum wage. Who's going to be against that? Well, it's not like the Farm Bureau is against it. Uh, but what is it? what does it do to farmers, whether it's in Virginia or any other state? It drives them away from agriculture. Farmers are already dealing with increased costs for what the new tractors cost, machinery costs, fuel costs. And so now you add labor to that, and uh, the land gets developed. That's what happens. That's what you're doing. You're forcing people to go in a direction that they don't want to do, One more nail in the coffin for American family farmers. Is it really worth it? A lot of my friends are asking that question. Is it worth it anymore? We can't survive paying our workers $15 an hour unless people are willing to pay $3 for an apple or whatever. I mean, you can. I've told the story many times on the air when I was selling raw milk at my dairy farm. I got $12 a gallon for it and nobody blinked an eye. Uh, the 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 fact that we think we have to go race to the bottom rather than sell milk at what it costs to produce it, uh, which is certainly not four dollars and twenty nine cents a gallon. The the stores use it as a lost leader, and the far the farmers told to get in line or nobody's going to buy his milk. That's really what this is all about. Uh, so, anyway, uh, the farmer groups are talking about flexibility. There are weather things they have to deal with, droughts and then all the rain. Uh, The cattle prices sometimes are, in some years, very low. Right now, cattle prices are very high, especially for dairy heifers. And so I'm moving on to the next story an overview, sort of, of dairy for this year. What will it bring? There are better genetics uh, for managing. Uh, the next generation of dairy cows. Uh, the milk prices are not where they need to be by any stretch of the imagination. I was looking at an overview uh, from Cornell University on uh, the number of cows, the number of farms. Now, the dairy cow numbers have pretty much been floating between 9 million, and million for many years. Uh, the U.S. had... Nine million head, nine point three six million head, as of last December, which is forty four thousand fewer than a year ago. Uh, when you look at the reason the dairy cows are more expensive, it's because the slaughter price was so high. A lot of farmers said, "Okay, let's get rid of uh, the let's get rid of some of the older cows," and they didn't have replacements. As a result of that, the cost of buying a heifer. This year would be good for me, guys like me who raise replacement heifers uh, is up uh, 25% because there aren't enough cows to make enough milk, and uh, that's this is the circle that it's going in. So that's kind of what 24 will bring, and I was looking at uh, breeding some of these dairy heifers and what's been going on. Let me talk about that in a moment or two. In the meantime, I want to Uh, get into a conversation that many of you may participate in in terms of supplying the beef for Omaha Steaks. The semi-annual sale this year, maybe this doesn't apply to dairy guys or beef guys because they raise their own, but for those of you who are interested in good, really good uh, steaks and and, uh, tender, juicy hamburgers and lots of other things that are known, to be quality plus from the folks at Omaha Steaks, and shop their semi-annual sale right now through the 1st of April. You can load up on all of the things that you may not be able to grow on your farm. The juicy steaks, the burgers, the tons of things that the Omaha Steaks is so well known for. It isn't just about steaks and sirloins and that sort of thing. Pork chops, chicken breasts. Uh, burgers, fries, Franks, all that stuff. You can get, <clears throat> if you love it, this is the place to do. And so when somebody says, what's for dinner? You can say, Omaha Steaks. Meal time is the right time for Omaha Steaks. So the semi-annual sale, 50% off site-wide of all the things I just talked about. So while your mouth is watering, Go online to omahasteaks.com forward slash Doug and shop. Get the bargains right now. Put them in the freezer and keep them until the next uh, site wide uh, 50% off sale, which will be later in the year. Omaha Steaks. Possibilities endless. Quality endless. Nutritional value endless. Check it all out. OmahaSteaks.com slash Doug. Yep. Visit OmahaSteaks.com slash Doug for the semi-annual 50% off site-wide sale. Doug Steffen here, calling all travelers. How many of you have ever been to Las Vegas? How many of you would love to go to Las Vegas? How about going to Las Vegas two nights free? I have your attention, so right now be one of the first 10 callers right this minute to call 800 419 3684. Two free nights in Las Vegas. That's it. First 10 callers, get on board. Two free nights in Las Vegas. It's the easiest thing ever, right? First hand callers to call 800 419 Doug, and two nights in fabulous Las Vegas is yours. No questions. You don't need to be caller 29. You can be in the first uh, group of ten or a dozen, and you're on board. 800 419 Doug. 800 419 3684. We've traveled the world to find a good deal. You've got it now with 541 Travels and the Doug Steffen Good Day program. 800-419-Doug. Doug Steffen here with our frequent visitor, Elizabeth Miller. She knows all about losing weight for sure. She knows how Calitron works because we are in uh, the President's time, if you will, President's Day, President's Week, President's Month. The folks at Calitron are having what's called a President's Day 90-day meltdown. Uh, So how do people take advantage of their other products?
3: You can call us if you want to customize packages. We've always got that available. If you want to move um, some different products around, we can do custom packages by phone. Our number is toll-free. It's 1-833-TOPLOSS. Everybody here is really great in knowing our products and getting you a custom pack that is not only affordable, that's going to work for you. And then we've also extended the big sale on our website, too. So that's at toploss.com.
2: It's Calatrin and all the related products that we're talking about here with Elizabeth Miller from Calatrin at TopLoss.com. Back on the uh, American Family Farmer to the news desk, I was talking, sort of giving you an overview of dairy uh, from the perspective of some of the research that I've done at places like uh, Cornell, uh, the USDA uh, says that the all-milk price this year will be around 20 to $21 a hundredweight, which is still off of what it costs to raise and feed a cow. What it costs to produce a hundredweight is closer to $24. So I mentioned that we have uh, fewer dairy heifers uh, because... Uh, First of all, uh, the beef price has been so high, a lot of farmers have opted to send their older cows to slaughter. Also, uh, over the last couple, three years, because the beef price has been so high, some dairy heifers have been bred to beef bulls. Yeah, the cows spring and the cows calve, and all right, so we have a cow ready to milk. That's great, except there's no replacement for her uh, because of the uh, way that breeding has been taking place. Plus, uh, there's drought. A lot of adverse conditions, high, all the rain in certain parts of the country. Uh, so anyway, the uh, rising cost of raising dairy heifers, I can speak to that, far outpaced increases in heifer values. Raising dairy heifers, uh, you know, most of the people that do it, <laughs> including yours truly, it costs six to $900 to get a cow ready to calf. And if we can get 1000 bucks now... For a a bred heifer who's springing, that's a lot. Uh, So what do you do? How do you better manage on-farm heifer inventories? That's the question, especially, again, acknowledging that a lot of dairy farmers have turned to using beef semen on the herd, or at least part of the herd, to reduce the number of replacement heifers. Uh, It costs less to raise a beef animal than it does to raise a heifer for a dairy And again, the income from beef uh, sales—it's really pretty amazing. The average cost for a a beef animal last year in my neck of the woods uh, was uh, over two thousand dollars by the time you're all done. So, anyway, there are dairy heifers that are selling right now for fourteen hundred bucks a head, as well they ought to. It depends on where you are in the country, as much as anything else. Uh, But uh, we are in a twenty-year low position in terms of dairy herd replacements, and uh, that is going to mean cost of milk is going to go up, cost of heifers is going to go up, and are you willing to pay? I say that as a general question to the audience. Are you and others, you know, willing to pay more for milk? The question is not answered because you really don't know what's going to happen in some of the big retail stores. All right, so that Take care of some of the news items this week from the American Family Farmer. Up next, we're going to meet Glenn Roberts here on the AFF.
1: Both my legs were amputated due to an IED. It's when you start to try to get back into, like, an everyday life. I absolutely felt like I lost some of my purpose. There must be something more. When DAV came into my life, they gave me a new mission. I could still be a productive member of society, could still support a family. The DAV gave him that sense of structure and purpose again to get his life back
4: together.
2: Visit DAV.org to learn more about our mission.
0: People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few highlights. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I have been using Extendivite for many years. Great product, I use regularly and I rarely get sick. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. My husband, son and I have been using this product for a few months now and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. To order, call one 877 928 8822, or visit ExtendoVite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E.com. Extend your life
5: with ExtendoVite.
1: Are you a business owner? Are you confused by the complexity of the tax laws? We can help. I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been helping business owners solve tax problems for over 40 years. My book, The Small Business Tax Guide, shows proven ways to avoid all the common business tax problems. Don't risk your business. Go to danpilla.com to order your copy. That's danpilla.com. Order now and get a free 15 minute call directly with me, a $99 value. Go to danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com.
2: To the hour now in this week's American Family Farmer program, I'm Doug Steffen introducing you to Glenn Roberts, who founded Anson Mills down in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, so we need to find out what Anson Mills is. We need to find out about Mr. Roberts and his background. I always like to ask Mr. Roberts whether you're a farm kid. Or not, because it gives a certain amount of credibility to people if they actually have lived the talk. Not that you can't learn, uh, as you are an adult, but sometimes the experience, as one grows up on the farm or around animals or in circumstances, help uh, to make it easier uh, to understand not only the the pros and cons, the ups and downs you've lived with it, but you know what's new innovatively. So, um, tell us about you first of all.
6: Uh, Well, thanks. And it's an honor to be here. Uh, (laughs) uh, The answer is yes. And uh, (laughs) because my parents were professional musicians and traveled a lot, um, I was uh, on farms as a four year old in Kansas during the second Dust Bowl. That was loads of fun. Um, So we were working both in dairy and hog farming uh, there. And I was four and five. And I remember having to haul feed at that and eating sweet feed, uh, that I hauled at the cattle too, cause it was really good on Sundays. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, the dairy was killer. Uh, and so we moved from there, uh, that was Holcomb, Kansas, believe it or not. We moved from there to Fallbrook, California. And my best friend was Johnny Nuts, and they had a 1,500-acre farm with a very intense chicken uh, unit plus a lot of field crops. And so I learned how to drive tractors on Johnny's farm uh, starting at age seven uh, and working with Johnny side by side uh, and his older brothers. Uh, That was hard. Um, But the best part of it is we used to have uh, dirt clod wars. You know, you build a little uh revetment and then start throwing clods from one side of your <laughs> side to the other side to bomb people uh yeah, right. that was a game they'd invented because their dad had fought in world war ii and this was in the early 50s i'm old as dirt uh, so so to next speak. be working in calavo uh with my sister on uh, with mexican workers um Hispanics that no English spoken. So my sister and I were both fluent as kids. I can't remember any Spanish right now. But uh, we, uh, most of our friends were Hispanic when we were working at Calavo, and we would do um, frost tour. So if we looked like we had impending, we'd go around and light the smudge pots in the middle of the night and stuff like that. It was crazy. Um, and we also took care of bees and then Duke Snyder's. Uh, farm, had all kinds of stuff on it. He was a baseball hero and he had moved to Fallbrook for some reason, I don't know. Yeah, so he had a phenomenal farm with lots of different vegetables and melons and all kinds of stuff, so that was like working in paradise. We'd go harvest cantaloupes and whatever was in season, Uh, and it went on forever. He had vineyards. Uh, He was like selling wine grapes back then, Uh, so I did it all as a kid. And now you've translated
2: that experience into a company called Anson Mills. And so from your background to the story of Anson Mills and what it does and how it contributes to the farming landscape, we're going to get to that in a matter of moments. Glenn Roberts is here with us. You can go to AnsonMills.com, which is the website, to see kind of what he's all about and what Anson Mills is all about. Makes for a great story, which we will continue to tell in a matter of moments here on this week's American Family Farmer.
1: Prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. USA News Update. Amid escalating humanitarian concerns in Gaza, the U.S. set to initiate airdrops of aid into the region. John Kirby, spokesperson for the National Security Council, confirmed that the airdrops will start in the coming days. The CDC has updated its COVID guidelines. You no longer need to isolate for five days. The new guidance covers COVID and other respiratory infections. People with COVID can resume normal daily activities if they have been fever-free for 24 hours without medication or if their symptoms have been improving. Closing arguments have concluded in the Georgia hearing regarding whether Fulton County District Attorney Fawney Willis should be removed from Donald Trump's election interference case. The judge anticipates giving a decision within the next two weeks. Corey Myers, USA News.
5: I need a copy of my tax return. How do I get one? If you don't have a
7: copy of your original tax return, you can get a transcript of your tax return for free from the IRS. A transcript shows most line items from your return, which is usually all you need. You can order a transcript of any return filed within the past three years, including Forms 1040, 1040A, and 1040EZ. All you need to do is go to irs.gov transcript to order your transcript today.
2: the hour now on the American Family Farmer. Find us at AmericanFamilyFarmersShow.com. Uh, each week, we this program airs uh, during the week on stations that are carrying the Good Day program, and then on the weekend, it's ancillary to things like Good Day Health and, and uh, other products that we have that the stations like because it keeps them in the format, so to speak, without getting too far into the weeds. Format is conversation. Uh, this is very good. A lot of I have the biggest growth of any of the programs that I produce uh, in the American Family Farmer because the stories are important. People need to know about food, farm, and family. And stories like this are important because it gives us the background into what's going on now uh, in the farming circles. So Anson Mills, what does you found at Anson Mills, what, back in the late 90s? Is that how long this has been? Yeah,
6: 1998. You're right.
2: 98. Okay. So what do you do? What do you produce? And why is this going to help people who may be on smaller farms there? Well, I always try to give people an idea or some ideas as to what else they may be doing on their farm uh, to make them more successful. Uh, So uh, let's tell the story. Now we told the story of you. Let's tell the story of Anson Mills. Uh,
6: Through the many varied things I did as a young person uh, when I moved away from home, I was going to Chapel Hill, um, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and Women's College in Greensboro, which was loads of fun. The first two years, I went there for summer school, and it was all women and me. I loved it. Uh, (laughs) So being in Greensboro, I didn't want to live on campus, and I moved to a place called Deep River Church, and a guy named George Neve owned that farm. And I lived on a cabin on that farm that had been there for a century plus. It was really wonderful, and all of his equipment was from the depression era so wow really cool he was haying he was growing uh cereals and grains which is the first time i got involved and if you're in rural north carolina deep river church was kind of a central point for the entire guilford county which was huge uh for something that we won't talk about too much but it's not legal uh, which almost everybody... <laughs> A lot of bootlegging then, is what went on there, folks. That's what he's trying yeah. to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. All so right. because of that farmer who was phenomenal, I mean, he was totally chem-free. His crops were gorgeous. And everything he touched was perfect. Um, I learned so much from him, literally working right next to him um, when I could, because I was in college, too, and commuting, but the the reality there was uh, I was most fascinated and didn't know it because his oats, we could go out and pick them, and haul them because he had a little hauler in his shed and mm-hmm. take them and make a meal. And what a revelation. Uh, you know, I grew up on Quaker oats. My mom was, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. But I'd never had new crop oats right off the plant before. And going out and picking them and making oatmeal from that right at sunrise at first light was amazing. Um, and I'll never forget it. The other side of the coin was because of all the stuff that was going on, I got to meet Richard Petty and a few others uh, because they were, their mechanics were working on the side uh, to support the you know what trade over the mountains and back again. Sure. <laughs> so I I actually fell into that backwards working at Salem uh cotton company and then I was a doffer at a cotton mill and everybody but me was doing that weekend work where they'd run right. really fast hot cars and come back. So right. I, I sort of got involved that way just by listening to the story. So I wasn't actually doing it. So having mm-hmm. said that fast forward an entire career of flying jets and then building hotels and restaurants and to the point where we were doing really big hotels i got to the point after i moved to charleston south carolina to work on charleston place as a consultant and uh, the planters Inn, which is still there downtown I, i was a consultant for that and middleton place for middleton inn i was a consultant for that and then i did three hotels and a bunch of restaurants in savannah and I kept having to fly out all the time and go to L.A. I was working for Larry Hageman on a diner back then and a bunch of other stuff in L.A. at the same time. And I just said, okay, I'm done getting on airplanes. So I tore up my suitcases, burnt my clothes, and, <laughs> and just moved to a little shack on the beach on Sullivan's Island in Charleston and decided I was going to sail and just work on hotels. And I taught at Johnson & Wales Uh, University, uh, restaurant design, hotel planning, stuff like that for a couple of years, and um, then got lured to do the Pink House in Savannah, which was the beginning of something brand new. Because right across the river from the Pink House, which is in downtown Savannah, Georgia, was a beautiful land race Carolina Gold Rice Field, and somebody kept saying, you got to go over there and talk to them. You love food. Those are the Schultz family, and they're growing Carolina gold rice. And I said, ooh, that sounds like fun. So I went over and saw them. I met Richard Jr. and his dad, Richard Sr., and they had three fields of absolutely gorgeous Carolina gold rice. It stands about six feet tall when it's really healthy, and if you plant it at the right rate like they used to and co-crop it with a legume under it like they used to and a under it like they used to, you can get a field that's absolutely glorious and has three crops in it and they were farming it the old way with those three crops and so right. they had benny in the field they'd run sorghum before the rice cuz they were doing good rotations uh so their brassicas were neem positive negative neem negative uh and they were growing this phenomenal rice and they gave me some rice when I first time I went over there they went and milled the rice right in front of me and gave it to me i took it back to the old pink house, which was I was working on at the time, and we cooked it, and it was, everybody went crazy, you know, everybody in the kitchen had been cooking for an entire career, I'd been at it for a long time, and had never tasted, my mom used to get rice like this when I was a kid, and that had stopped, you know fresh hand pounded rice, you just can't find it Uh, Right, it's a totally different food, and I said, okay, this is it, so For the second time, I burned all my clothes in the parking lot and went across the river and started working with the Schultz family, trying to learn rice.
2: And then we moved from there. You've been doing some things... Uh, with Feed America, and I want to talk about that as time allows. The website for Anson Mills is ansonmills.com. We're getting the drift, if you will, of how all the pieces came together. Glenn Roberts is here with us, telling us these stories this week on the American Family Farmer. I'm Doug Steffen, with an invitation to go to toploss.com. Get the information. There's What is the old expression, information is king? Uh, you'll find so much at TopLoss.com about the ingredients, about how to use the product, and why to choose Calatrin for healthy weight loss in the first place. Uh, this is something. This the company has been in business for 27 years. They do all their work in an FDA-approved facility. Uh, there's not going to be any mixing and matching like you know you hear these recalls from products sold at Trader Joe's, for example, but other problems we talk about every day on the Good Day program from the Food, Farm, and Family Department. This is something you can get fast, get to work easily, have help from the folks at Calatron. There are counselors who are standing by. So find out why it is that people come to this website in droves. Toploss.com, the name kind of says it all. Find out about the natural ingredients. Find out why it works. Healthy weight loss should be in your future. Go to toploss.com. And check out the whole package that's there. Order. And when you uh, do order, use the discount code DOUG, D-O-U-G. Free shipping and all the access to the, the best things that are going on right now as we prepare for spring. They're preparing, too, to help you out. Lose the weight. Calatrin at toploss.com. Doug Steffen here with Elizabeth Miller. The folks at Calitrin are having what's called a President's Day Meltdown. What's the scoop here, Elizabeth?
3: Calitrin works to rebuild lean muscle tissue. It's revving up your metabolism all over. It's also repairing joint pain. It's also helping with sleep and energy levels. All around, just working to rev up your metabolism. And then it's got another product in there called Belly Blast.
2: By the way, this Meltdown package is available now normally price is close to 400 bucks you can buy it right now at 225 by going to toploss.com if you want to be just like me when you grow up you'll take the Calitrin. i take the detox the belly blaster yeah that's good so <laughs> help yourself to savings go to toploss.com and when you're there you might find one of the counselors it's Calitrin and all the related products that we're talking about here with elizabeth miller from Calitrin at toploss.com Doug Steffen here, calling all travelers. How many of you have ever been to Las Vegas? How many of you would love to go to Las Vegas? How about going to Las Vegas two nights free? I have your attention, so right now be one of the first ten callers right this minute. To call 800-419-3684. Two free nights in Las Vegas. That's it. First ten callers, get on board. Two free nights in Las Vegas. It's the easiest thing ever, right? First hand callers to call 800 419 Doug, and two nights in fabulous Las Vegas is yours. No questions. You don't need to be caller 29. You can be in the first uh, group of ten or a dozen, and you're on board. 800 419 Doug. 800 419 3684. We've traveled the world to find a good deal. You've got it now with 541 travels and the Doug Steffen good day program 800 419 Doug Back here on the American Family Farm with Glenn Roberts I want to uh, I'm, I'm sending people to the website cuz it's a very you have a long story uh, an interesting story, the things that you do uh, in the, you're actually harvesting grains, right? Well, and Mills, let's get to the exact, I want to, we only have a few minutes left and I want to talk about the Feed America initiative and the fact that you've been doing this uh, chemically free, there's uh, a special seed you've developed. And uh, so where does
6: that seed go? Okay, so it's, uh, it's easy. Uh, the mill is 4,000 square feet. Our seed house is 27,000 square feet in two separate wow. facilities adjacent to each other, 33 miles from the mill out in Orangeburg at Longleaf Farm. at uh, Anson Mills Seed House. And because it's 27,000 square feet, you can imagine what the storage capacity is, both frozen, uh, refrigerated, and ambient. Um, right. And don't, for the quarter century, we have been in business – monetized seed, which means if you're a farmer and you're interested in running chem-free land-raise, meaning heirloom but before heirloom, anything starting 1850 and back, that seed is not commercially available in bulk, and our farmers need it. We have more than 200 farms in either research or production in the United States, and we also work abroad. Uh, cool. The seed is free for whoever... Once a, we jury mm-hmm. uh, any larger seed, but if you want a hundred seed to just mess with, uh we've got over two hundred different land raised crops that we wow. have seed that are not available in bulk uh on anyway. on the trade. And yeah. Recently- you can find that yeah. at Ansonmills.com, right? All the yeah, you can see it. some of it. There's a lot of things we have that aren't even listed. Uh mainly because yeah, go ahead. I just want to. You've been helping the folks with
2: research at Feed America. Tell us, give us sixty seconds on that, uh, as it pr- pertains to helping feed people that don't have uh, enough food. You know, sustenance, a uh, living.
6: Yeah, our uh, core research starts with Dr. Anna McClung who just retired from the USDA uh, Rice Research Center in Stuttgart, Arkansas, and is now living in Minneapolis and working with the uh, Oliver Farm and Northern Crops Institute, amongst others, uh, worldwide actually now. There's a whole group of uh, geneticists that are working pro bono in the public domain to uh, work ahead of the Feed America initiative. They're actually looking at land race genetics because moving them into high production is really easy these days so they're looking at the grant the grain banks internationally finding stuff that's super fast and then sharing it and we found one that they didn't find we found a green chickpea uh, in india through a chef named shintan panja that owns uh, six restaurants in new york city and uh we identified that we brought it up it you plant it in frozen ground literally frozen ground and it germs out uh. And you can harvest it green as a green chickpea, like fresh vegetable, at 32 days. And you can harvest it sometimes 55 days, sometimes as low as 40 day to wow. food dry. So, and we're doing a whole pseudo yeah, yeah. crops just like that. <laughs>
2: yeah, a lot of people are interested in feed America that aren't farmers, uh, but it's interesting to have the combination, the connection there. What a great story! AnsonMills.com is the website. Glenn Roberts is the founder, doing all kinds of great things. He's got his heart and soul into it, I can tell that. And maybe there's some things with the seeds that he's talking about that may help you out. So, Glenn, thank you for being here on this week's American Family
0: Farmer.
2: Three past the hour now. This is the American Family Farmer. I'm Doug Steffen uh, with my thoughts on children who grow up working on the family farm. What a great way to grow up. I will speak from experience. I started working on the farm when I was five, not working, I don't even know that you can call it work, but doing things on the farm, taking care of calves, I learned how to milk uh, with the machine and with my hands by the time I was I don't know, late uh, six or seven years old. And so I look at the people that I know who grew up on the farm. We hear some of them here on the American Family Farmer talking about what a great work ethic they have. The guest on the program this week, you heard him talk about working on the farm when he was seven, learning how to drive tractors. This does, I think, get into our psyche, and it helps us a lot. Now... As children, my children worked on the farm when they were younger, and I never paid them. Uh, Are you supposed to? I always thought, and I'm sure many of you, they've got a roof over their head, they have food to eat, they have clothing, uh, and so that's their pay. Now, the government uh, may not agree with you on that, but then it's your family and it's your farm. You should be able to do what you want to, uh, and there are those who think now is the time to start paying uh, the youngsters. How does it benefit parents? Well, it's a tax break. That's good. Uh, it helps children invest in their futures, whether it's college or down the road. And so um, thinking about the, the the pros and cons of, of paying your children if they're working on the farm, uh, the taxes are being filed now. A lot of people are doing their taxes right now. And so there are those who think it makes good sense to pay your children for the reasons that I just outlined. Uh, you may or may not agree because you may or may not have the money. That's the problem. As I was talking earlier in the program about wages and hiking the wages and paying the the family workers, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Yes, it's better for the workers, uh, but how is it good for you? Most people do not want to pay more for food. They think food is too expensive, and they want the prices to go down. And given the fact that we all are working our butts off, and we don't feel like, I mean, I feel every day, I'm not doing this because I'm getting paid. I'm doing maybe my heifers are more valuable, uh, but I don't make any money on my farm and never have. Uh, Frankly, I have help. Uh, I didn't do it to make money. I don't want to lose money, uh, but... I've helped a lot of people in the community understand what farming is all about, because there's not much farming left in my community. People say, well, what's going to happen when you're gone? I don't know. Not, that's not <laughs> really my concern. My concern is to do the best that we can right now. And so I thought this is one of the issues, whether children should be paid or not. And as I said, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's good for them. Uh, and it's it's good for the long term for them. But for you, in a situation where you may be very, very tight, uh, you may not have the money to pay them. Uh, so, you know, you can look at the advantages. Standard deduction for individuals is $14,600. So you can give that to your children if you have it to give without owing any state or federal tax. Uh, if your children are younger than 18 their wages are not subject to social security or Medicare taxes. If it's a sole proprietorship or a partnership, each partner is a parent of children, and then again, you don't need it's not something you pay taxes on. Uh, the compensation if you're going to pay them, a government says it has to be reasonable for the scope of services they provide. Um the you know, there some people who take the fourteen eight, and if they have extra money, they're giving their children $10,000 a year to feed a couple of bottled calves. That's probably not going to work under the scrutiny, if you do get scrutinized. A lot of farm children work countless hours, uh, and sometimes they get paid and sometimes they don't. I guess that has to be up to you. Uh, But make sure you you have good documentation for your tax, because the government says, nah, did you really pay them? because they're your family, they don't expect that you are. Uh, This is something also that helps them if you're paying them, what are they doing with the money? I think that's another part of this. Consider what they do with the money and help them learn how to save, learn how to be frugal, learn how to be smart. Anyway, I just think that uh, paying is something you got to think about yourself. I would not do it myself at the moment, uh, but that's because uh, it's not feasible economically. Some of you have the dough, so pay your kids. How about that for Food for Thought? From the American Family Farmer, I'm Doug Steffen.
3: This program was produced at Bob K. Sound and Recording. Please visit BobKSound.com.